0: You're listening to 20,000 Hertz.
1: Right, can you check disc temperatures, please,
0: Malcolm? Okay, disc up to speed. What you're hearing right now is a BBC recording of a computer starting up in the late 60s. At the time, it took half a dozen people spread throughout different rooms just to boot it up. Okay, for standby. Switch on, standby. This long-winded process involved giant levers, a ton of switches, and even oil and temperature checks. Right, keys in. Can you check this oil level, please, Harry? Oil, okay. Stand by, coming on. Back in the 1960s, most people had never even seen a computer. These primitive machines often filled entire rooms and cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. But soon enough, engineers started to pack more and more power into less and less space. By the mid eighties, many people could buy a powerful computer that would fit on their desk. It was around this time that computer companies started to be much more intentional about what these devices sounded like. And that included the noises they made when you turn them on. Startup sounds may only last a few short seconds, but they can tell us a lot about the company that designed them. These sounds are like mini-time capsules. If you unpack them, they reveal what the company was thinking, how they felt about their technology, and where they were headed. Over the years, the two biggest computer companies have taken completely different approaches to their startup sounds. On the one hand, Apple has been very consistent. Here's the startup chime of a Macintosh Quadra from the early 90s. And here's what it sounds like on a new MacBook. But with Windows, Microsoft went in the opposite direction. Over the years, they've made at least 10 completely different startup sounds. Almost all of them have become iconic in their own right. But their first one wasn't exactly a classic. That's what you heard when you turned on a computer running Windows 1.0 or 2.0 in the late 80s. Here it is again. These early computers just couldn't play anything more complex than that. Fast forward to 1992, when Microsoft launched Windows 3.1. It included their first proper startup sound.
1: That's the classic ta da sound that sort of introduced Windows having sound to the world. That's Jensen Harris. I worked at Microsoft for 16 years on a variety of products spanning user experience, so how the product looks, feels, and
0: sounds. By today's standards, the tada might not sound like much. But compared to the lo-fi that came before it, it was a pretty big upgrade.
1: Microsoft introduced something called the Windows sound system, which was like a bundle of drivers and a sound card that you could buy together and put into your Windows 3.1 computer. And if you bought that and did that, then when you started up Windows, you got this ta-da, which was emblematic of we've arrived, we've got sound.
2: The sound, I think, was kind of this little celebration of the potential of this new world.
0: That's Matthew Bennett, a composer and sound artist who worked at Microsoft for over a decade.
2: It kind of lined up with the idea of this kind of magical ta-da moment and the excitement that people had when they were booting up their first computer. And for a lot of people, those Windows 3.1 computers were their first computers, and it was a very exciting thing to have in your house. When you think of all the different sounds they could have chosen for that, um, you know, wah-wah, they could have chosen almost anything. But ta-da really kind of sums up a lot of things that were going on at that time, a lot of the feelings and excitement around the technology.
0: For the shutdown sound, Microsoft used a quick descending xylophone. Over the next few years, household computers exploded in popularity. Meanwhile, Microsoft was already hard at work on their next version, Windows 95. To create the new startup sound, they reached out to Brian Eno, a British composer famous for his ambient music. Here's Eno on a BBC radio show describing the creative direction he got from Microsoft. It was very funny when I got the job because they sent me a quite long letter and it said the piece of music should be inspirational, sexy, driving, provocative, nostalgic, sentimental. It went on and on. There were about 150 adjectives. And then at the bottom it said, and not more than 3.8 seconds long. (laughs) At the time, Eno was struggling with writer's block, For him, the Windows project was a nice change of pace. But ironically, he didn't actually use a Windows computer to create the sound.
2: Did you write that on a PC? No, I wrote it on a Mac. Uh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Eno ended up getting completely obsessed with this project. He loved the idea of making every microsecond count so much so that when he presented his work to Microsoft
1: I gave them 83 pieces so really I think 83 a, what were yeah. the more outlandish ones
2: did it did it it
0: Meanwhile the anticipation for Windows 95 was building
1: we've now entered this new era of computing and Windows 95 being A worldwide phenomenon like people stayed up went to the store lined up at midnight to
0: buy windows 95 and ran to take it home when people booted up windows 95 for the first time they heard something that was light years ahead of the simple ta-da sound
1: suddenly you got this like brian eno spacey sound that set the excitement to like an all-time high and if you slow the sound down you actually get what sounds like a brian eno composition
0: the windows 95 sound was a huge upgrade in a few different ways for one thing it was a much bigger and more complex piece of audio
2: By this point, the audio hardware and software had become more sophisticated so it could support music like this because playing sound during a boot sequence has all kinds of technical challenges. So being able to support this kind of musical and emotional moment while all this super technical stuff was happening in the background was a pretty big achievement.
0: But it was also a big change in its emotional tone.
2: Obviously, it's more atmospheric. It's more human, more musical, and kind of offers this moment of reflection while the system is building. It's still kind of a celebration, but it's much quieter. It's not like, ta-da, this is awesome. It's more like, yeah, this is going to be great and supportive and kind of gentle, more subtle.
0: Composing the startup sound helped Brian Eno get over his writer's block. After 83 mini-compositions that were less than four seconds long, he said that going back to writing several minutes of music felt like oceans of time. Microsoft had devoted so much time, money, and creativity into crafting this thoughtful startup for Windows 95. But for the shutdown sound, here's what they used. Which really doesn't make that much sense. I don't think they were
2: thinking of it holistically, like, okay, what's the story here? What's the narrative arc? I think it's just like, hey, this is cool.
0: The next startup sound was intended for a slightly different audience. You see, by the mid 90s, Microsoft actually had two variations of their Windows operating system. There was the regular Windows, which was the user-friendly consumer version, and then there was Windows NT. So
1: Windows NT is a little bit different. Windows NT was the business sort of no-nonsense, enterprise-grade operating system.
0: At first, Windows NT shared the "tada" sound with Windows 3.1. But in 1996, Microsoft gave Windows NT its own sound. It was designed by an engineer named Matthew Felton. Here's the sound he made for NT 4.0.
2: So you know, sound for Windows 95 was very human and had an emotional texture and a lot of nuance and subtlety. This is very technological, very synthy, maybe a little inspiration from the famous THX sound, which had been out for about 10 years by this time. It's the feeling of pushing ahead, very confident, very optimistic about technology, maybe even a little aggressive.
0: Remember, NT was made for techies and business people.
2: So if you would have been a techie person in 1996, like a lot of the Windows NT platform customers were, you probably were one of those people who had stereo speakers and maybe even a subwoofer if you were lucky. So this would have sounded really, really cool when your machine started up.
0: Within the space of just a few years, Microsoft had created three completely unique startup sounds. And in the decade that followed, they continued to experiment. To create their next sounds, Microsoft held a competition, worked with a rock star, and questioned whether or not a startup sound was even needed. That's all coming up after the break. Why should you learn another language with Babbel? Well, there are a ton of reasons, but let's see how many I can fit into 60 seconds. First, Babbel works fast. You can start having conversations in another language in as little as three weeks. Next, it makes overseas vacations more fun and less stressful. I used it all the time on my last trip to Italy. If you work with foreign collaborators, Babbel can help you deepen those relationships. It's a fun thing to do when you need a break, and it's way better than doom scrolling. Babbel teaches you about other cultures, Speaking for myself, learning something new just makes me feel good. It's very affordable. And finally, signing up for Babbel helps support 20,000 Hertz. Okay, make that eight reasons, or otto ragioni, as they'd say in Italian. To get started on a new language today, here's a special limited time deal for 20,000 Hertz listeners. Get 55% off your Babel subscription right now at babbel.com slash 20k. This offer is only available for our listeners. That's B A B B E L dot com slash 20k for 55% off. Babbel.com slash 20k. Rules and restrictions may apply. Congratulations to Danny Hutterleck for getting last episode's mystery sound right. <coughs> <coughs> Those sounds were made by Clippy, the paperclip assistant who used to be in Microsoft Office. You won't see Clippy popping up with suggestions anymore, but he's not completely gone. In 2021, Microsoft changed the paperclip emoji in Windows 11 to the image of Clippy. And here's this episode's mystery sound. <laughs> If that sounds familiar, then send your guess at the website mystery.20k.org. If you guess it right, you'll be entered to win a super soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirt, which you can wear to make all of your friends jealous. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. For me, the hardest part of hiring is narrowing down the search, and that's where Indeed can help. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. That makes it the world's largest platform for finding skilled staff. In fact, during the time it'll take me to read this ad, 23 people will have been hired on Indeed. Whenever we list a job, we get a lot of applications. So many of them are from brilliant and talented people. But it can be really hard to have those applications rise to the top. With Indeed's Smart Matching Engine, that process becomes a lot easier. And over time, the matching engine learns your preferences. The more you use it, the more efficient it becomes. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers said that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. By the 1990s, Microsoft was releasing a new version of their Windows operating system every few years. And each release included a bold new startup sound. Windows 3.1 was a celebration. Windows 95 was a gentle welcome. And Windows NT was a time machine blasting people into the future. During this time, Microsoft was already working on their next flagship edition, Windows 98. To create the new startup sound, Microsoft held a competition. They started with about 20 sound designers who all submitted their sounds to a committee. Then they narrowed down the options one round at a time. The winner was a sound designer named Ken Cato, whose final version sounded like this. According to Cato, the musical movement of the sound was meant to convey the idea of progress. To underscore this, he used futuristic tones, just like Matthew Felton had done with Windows NT. Here's Matthew again.
2: It's a similar language and texture to the NT sound that came a couple years before. This one's a little more friendly, a little more accessible, maybe a little more emotion in there, a little less overtly kind of like this train of technology that's about to run you over, which is how the NT sound always feels to me. <laughs> it's very vibrant, lots of layers, lots of textures and sparkly stuff, lots of ear candy. I think that would really appeal to consumers. Both of the sounds have wide stereo mixes, so they would be as immersive and enveloping as possible. And again, at the time, if you were sitting at a desktop computer that had speakers, they would sound really cool.
1: Windows 98 had a different thing that it was trying to achieve, which was not just to welcome you to Windows 98, but also to take you directly into a tutorial that also had sound and music.
0: What you're hearing now is that awesome tutorial track, which is about as 90s as it gets.
1: And so it sort of had to not just welcome you to Windows, but also take you into that experience of using your computer for the first time. So I was actually in college when Windows 98 came out. I had worked at Microsoft as an intern previously, and I got really excited about Microsoft Windows. And so I went back and installed the beta on all of the computers in one of our computer clusters at the library, and I remember starting them all together at the same time, so I could hear the sound come out of like 15 different computers, all like half a second off, which created this horrible, cacophonous, wonderful sound that, let's say, made the other people in the library less happy than it made
0: me. While Microsoft worked on their next release, they put out a beta version of NT 5.0, which eventually became Windows 2000. The beta included another startup sound designed by Matthew Felton. Just like his last NT sound, this new one was long and electronic. But for the official release, Microsoft took a hard left turn. They reached out to composer and sound designer Stephen Ray Allen to create something that sounded totally organic. So Allen started writing short orchestral pieces using MIDI samples. He'd send these off to Microsoft, get their notes, revise, and repeat. When the concept was finally approved, Allen went into the studio and recorded almost all of the parts with live instruments. Microsoft used that sound for both Windows 2000 and its mainstream counterpart, Millennium Edition.
1: That is one of my favorites, I think, because it's orchestral. It's got those sort of horns in the background, which take it out of the spacey world that Windows had been living in, into a more symphonic world. So a very big contrast from the very synthy
2: sounds that came right before this. More organic, they're using piano, strings, French horns. There's even a female voice mixed in very, very subtly.
0: And here's the shutdown sound, which uses some of these same ingredients. When Windows XP came out a few years later, Microsoft stayed with this orchestral approach. They hired composer Bill Brown to write an entire suite of musical chimes and recorded them with the Seattle Symphony Orchestra. Next, sound designer Tom Ozanich added more layers and helped to sculpt these recordings into the final versions. Here's the startup sound they created.
2: This is kind of distilling that orchestral language from the previous sound. Overall, this is very organic, friendly, welcoming, but very kind of Familiar and recognizable, almost like a film soundtrack, right?
0: By this point, Microsoft's approach to sound design had changed quite a bit. Back in 1995, Windows had used very different sounds for startup and shutdown. But by 2001, Microsoft wanted to create more of a journey for their users, a kind of narrative arc. To do that, they used both sound and visuals. The interface for Windows XP had a very distinct look.
1: It had the blue taskbar and the Bliss wallpaper, which was the green hills with the blue sky, very iconic. The startup sound
0: was supposed to evoke that same peaceful landscape.
1: It was designed to pair with that wallpaper, with that theme, and it also had this wonderful getting started music that came before it, which I just love. So your first experience actually sound designing what happens when you start up your computer was you got music playing, you had the sound design of a little animated helper that was helping you get started with using the computer. And then boom, the Bliss wallpaper and that iconic startup sound. It was put together like you might put a movie together, where you're not just thinking about a sound, but you're thinking about the sound experience of the entire thing in a way that was very different than let's make some beeps. It was really, let's orchestrate this experience. That's all kind of orchestrated together
2: to give this feeling of familiarity and welcome and friendliness and support.
0: The other sounds in Windows XP used similar piano-driven melodies. Here are the sounds for logging on, for logging off, for alerts, and for when printing is complete. This approach opened up a whole new world for the humble startup sound. It was no longer just a cool thing you heard when you turned on your computer. It was now one part of a larger unified experience. Overall, there's definitely
2: sort of this emerging trend of thinking more about the UI sounds as an integrated family.
0: When it came time to design their next sound, Windows reached out to another famous musician. Robert Fripp is the guitarist and founding member of the British prog rock band King Crimson. He's also a longtime collaborator with Brian Eno, Microsoft asked Fripp to help create the startup sound for Windows Vista. So he spent two days in the studio with the Microsoft team, recording a series of soundscapes with his guitar. Here's a clip of that studio session. At one point in the recording, you can hear some of the creative direction that Microsoft gave Fripp. Robert, why don't you build up a five to seven minute loop. That's Steve Ball, a Microsoft engineer who is guiding the session. You find the theme, the texture, the context that goes back to what Jenny described earlier this morning, which is the idea that Vista is clear, confident, and connected. And has green and blue. And plenty of green and blue. Cooler (laughs) temperatures. One of these pieces was inspired by the Brian Eno sound. Given Robert's history of working with Eno, we thought it would be interesting to use the Windows 95 Eno theme as a starting point, so there's a whole segment that is at least inspired by, if not related to, uh, the Windows 95 theme. At another point in the video, they work on finding a key melody that's between three and five notes long. Altogether, Fripp recorded six hours of raw tape. Then, Microsoft took these recordings and brought in other artists who cut them down and added even more layers. In the end, they had a new startup sound.
2: Now with Windows Vista, we're back to synthetic textures, but they're not the synthetic textures of Windows NT and Windows 98. These are much more friendly, much more welcoming, much less kind of uh, muscular and aggressive. It's much more engaging, I think, and designed to appeal to a much much wider audience than just the technology folks and the aficionados.
0: When Windows 7 came out a few years later, they reused the sound from Windows Vista. And for that version, they designed an animation to match it. What was called
1: the Fireflies, which was this new animation that showed up when you started up Windows. It had four colors of light that sort of spun around and then exploded into this fireball, which was the Windows logo. And it had four parts, like the Microsoft logo, the red, the blue, the yellow, and the green. And so the sound one, two, three, four, and then coming together was designed to match together with that animation and with Microsoft's Sonic branding. And so I think of the Windows 7 sound as being the last in a long line of what I would say are sort of musical sounds that were designed to complement visually what was
0: happening on the screen in a very clear way. Several of the other sounds in Windows 7 use an ascending two-note melody that calls back to the first two notes of the startup sound. Here's the log off sound, the log on sound, and the alert sound. The era that began with Windows XP and continued through Windows 7 was a dramatic shift for Microsoft. By then, it wasn't about being flashy or in-your-face. It was about creating a mood. In a way, things had come full circle. Back to Windows 95.
2: The 95 sound was ahead of its time because we came back to those kinds of ideas about emotion and subtlety and nuance later in other versions of
1: Windows startup sounds. I think you can see similarities between the Windows 95 sound and the Windows 7 sound in terms of the spaciness, the sort of airiness of it. And you can see parallels of how much that Windows 95 sound influenced everything that came after it through Windows 7.
0: The next version of Windows involved a massive transformation. For Windows 8, Microsoft redesigned the user interface from the ground up. They made a brand new start screen that was almost identical to the home screen of the new Windows phone and the change they made to the startup sound was just as radical. By this point, Microsoft had a rich sonic history to draw from. Everything from the ambient tones of Windows 95 to the warm orchestration of Windows XP to the subtle modernism of Windows 7. But when people turned on their Windows 8 computers, this is what they heard. Okay,
1: I'll admit it, it was me. I killed the Windows startup sound.
0: That's coming up next time. 20,000 Hertz is hosted by me, Dallas Taylor, and produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. To hear some over the top Sonic Candy, follow DeFacto Sound on Instagram.
1: This episode was written and produced by Fran Bord
0: and Casey Emerling.
1: With help from Sam Reinbold.
0: It was sound designed and mixed by Soren Bejan. And Joel Boyder. With original music by Wesley Slover. Thanks to our guests, Jensen Harris and Matthew Bennett. Jensen has a great YouTube channel where he tells stories about design and technology. You can find a link in the show description, so be sure to subscribe. And thanks to Stephen Ray Allen for telling us how he made the startup sound for Windows 2000 and Windows ME. While you wait for the second part of this series, there are a few other episodes of ours that I know you'll love. Scroll back on our feed and check out the two-part series on the iconic THX Deep Note There's also a fascinating show about the Xbox startup sounds. And finally, there's another show called The Bleeps, The Sweeps, and The Creeps. It might be our weirdest show title that was inspired by a Spaceballs quote, but it's about creating the sounds of Facebook Messenger and Android. Go check them out. Thanks for listening.